With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Crossover Daily, SI's daily NBA podcast. I'm your host, Rohan Nadrini. Today on the show, we're discussing the Miami Heat advancing to the NBA Finals. Listen to me gloat about Heat culture. How incredible is Bam Adebayo? And what will the matchup between the Heat and Lakers look like in the Finals? Joining me will be SI's Jeremy Wu. Let's start the show. All right, joining me now on Crossover Daily is someone who threw some of the best parties I went to in college. He's also a staff writer at Sports Illustrated. Uh, it's my good friend, Jeremy Wu. Wu, how's it going, my man? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm here. I don't know if I can match your full-on Miami adrenaline right now. Uh, I'm on the East Coast, but uh, pretty good <laughs> game, I think, huh? So I tried to play it cool there with the intro, but let's just get it out of the way right now. The Heat are going to the finals. I'm incredibly happy for Eric Spolstra. I'm incredibly happy for Jimmy Butler. I'm incredibly happy for Bam Adebayo. I think we just have to talk about Bam for a second because that fourth quarter was insane. It, It looked like it genuinely looked like something snapped and he was like, no, like this is it. I, I refuse to lose like this. I am taking over this game single-handedly. Was it as thrilling for you to watch as it was for me? Because it looked like he embodied the physical spirit of heat culture for like a three-minute stretch and just said, I'm putting the team on my back. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it was the whole fourth quarter, really. It was just like, there was like three or four minutes where it was just so obvious that he had control of the game. And you could just like, they kept cutting to Daniel Tice and you could just see his face. He was like, what's going on? He was like, he was shook. <laughs> Tice was shook. And he's a good player. He's a good defender. But, you know, Bam was facing him up. I don't think it was the look that Boston was expecting, you know, late in the game. And Miami's just like, you know, we'll just go to Bam. And, uh, you know, he just, he showed some of that versatility um, just in terms of being able to get to the rim, uh, you know, from all different, different types of spots. 
uh, and then you know defensively being so solid. Uh, you know, it was just it was just so impressive, man. It was as impressive uh, a few minutes as anyone's had in the bubble, except for maybe Jamal Murray against Utah. It was really something, and you know, it's funny. I went to a game, I believe, during Bam's rookie year, uh, where the Heat were playing the Nets in Brooklyn. And there was maybe three or four possessions in a row where I remember Eric Sprosser let him ISO on someone and Bam actually just made the wrong play every possession. Like he missed all his shots. The amount of growth he's had in his game from his rookie year when he went from a rim running athletic guy to now someone who can run your offense, exploit mismatches. You know, we're just also talking about what he did on the offensive end. You know, Miami as a team was playing great defense in the fourth. Bam also making it his mission to get every single rebound. I mean, the Celtics were kind of hurting the heat with offensive rebounds there in the fourth. And he just said, that's done too. It's just so exciting when you watch a basketball game. Like you have someone like Iguodala who just said, I'm a vet. I'm stepping up. I'm I'm hitting my shots tonight. And then you see, I mean, Tatum too had an incredible game. But when you see young guys take that next step in the moment, it, that that to me is the best part about the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, a, a big thing about Bam too, especially in the playoffs, why he's so good is just, uh, you know, when you're closing games, you don't have to worry about, are you going to go big? Or are you going to go small? You know, when you have him in your team, you don't have to do that. Like one reason I thought, uh, you know, the Heat were going to win the series uh, was just, you know, if, if you watched how, uh, you know, the Boston um, Toronto series went, and, you know, at the end of the game, a lot of times Toronto struggled early because they were didn't know if they should close with Gasol or Ibaka. And then they tried to close with OG and Siakam, you know, sliding down as the bigs and they had trouble uh, with Bam. And, uh, you know, with the Lakers, it's going to be interesting because, you know, so much was made of, you know, playing Dwight against Jokic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's like, well, are they going to close with Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo head to head? Or are they going to play another big? Uh, is Miami going to play zone? Like, what are they going to do? I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that happens. That's a great point. And I definitely want to get to some Lakers heat stuff uh, in a little bit because I, I think there's going to be some fascinating matchups throughout during this series. But I'm not ready to finish. I'm not ready to stop gloating about the heat just yet. I, I'm curious because, you know, Jeremy, you obviously covered the draft. Like, I think you're you're very in tune with front offices and the way they think. This has got to be one of the more improbable finals runs, not just from the fact that the Heat were the five speed from that perspective, but where they were a year ago, 18 months ago, two years ago, it's, I don't think another team, if given a hundred chances could pull off the turnaround that Miami did considering the contracts they had and guys like Deion Waiters and James Johnson, uh, their lack of upcoming draft picks, their lack of cap space, the way they turned it around. I, I don't know if it's feasible for another team to do what they did. Yeah, it really is kind of like, you know, when you think about it, sort of a laundry list of things. Um, it wasn't just one move. I mean, it was a series of really well-calculated moves that worked out. Uh, and it's very rare to, you know, get that type of return, not only from your draft picks. I mean, obviously, you know, getting Bam uh, and Tyler Hero late in the lottery, you know, both those picks uh, have worked out. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, and, and you know, off the top of my head, I can't even remember. You probably remember it better than me because I feel like you know there were so many years. And you remember that there was the one Miami pick for next for 2021 right. for next year that kept getting passed around. Like, oh, this is going to be a high lottery pick because everyone figured, you know, with all the bad money that they took on in that one summer, uh, I, I think that's right. Uh, it was yeah. that summer, right, when everyone took on the bad it, money. Well, they I think it was yeah. like they actually did it a year later, which is the crazy part. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, I couldn't remember the timing, but either right. way, I mean, the, the conversation was just, you know, well, how are they going to get out of? Uh, you know, this predicament. 
Uh, and it looked like they weren't getting any younger. Um, but obviously Jimmy Butler, you know, was a big sort of a godsend you being able to get him. Um, and, you know, it's all kind of panned out. And like a, a big thing I heard too, you know, and a lot of teams sort of echoed this about the bubbles. It's just like a big part of winning in this environment is, you know, being the team that really wants to be there. Um, just because, you know, it's all you have is basketball. You don't really have anything to go do. Uh, you know, you're, you're there for better or worse. And it sounds simple, but, uh, you know, the want factor, you know, comes down to it even more. And there's no fans. You're playing for yourselves. Uh, and I think Miami, to me, is the team right now that's, like, the most comfortable in its own skin um, and kind of just, like, knows what who they want to be. Uh, you know, you don't see any guys fighting over shots late in the game. Like, you kind of just know. They seem to have a good understanding of who's supposed to have the ball when. Uh, and even Hero is, you know, getting big buckets late in games, and they have confidence in him to do that. Uh, and I think that's one thing, if we're looking at Boston, talking about this series, that I think late in games, sometimes they broke down a little bit because I think they're still not sure. Uh, they have guys who sort of are innately seek shots, whether it's Tatum or Brown, you know, both those guys have always been guys who want to get their own shot. You know, they've adjusted a little bit. And then, you know, Kemba Walker, obviously, is, I don't think he ever got in a great rhythm um, because he's not, he, he's used to having them all the time and now he's playing off these two guys. So uh, that dynamic is going to be interesting moving forward. We don't have to get into the whole Boston mm-hmm. future thing because that's going to get picked apart. But, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, I think Miami does have a real chance to win this series. I mean, the Lakers are obviously the favorites at this point, but um, they match up where, pretty well. Where are you putting bam right now i mean these are these are always very nebulous conversations you can say where do you rank him or where do you put him in terms of guys who you want to start a playoff series or you know whatever franchise etc cetera, etc cetera. just give me your takeaway after this playoff run after what he did this season where you see bam fitting in because he's definitely not a traditional superstar right he's not like a jason tatum wing scorer and that to me is the real fascinating part about bam's future how do you weigh the success and impact he has versus how untraditional his game is? Right, absolutely. You know, and a big part of this is fit, um, but mm-hmm. he obviously fits so well with everyone. I think that's something that if we're, you know, if we're having the conversation, you know, the in a vacuum, who would you take? I mean, I think that gives him a bump. Um, if you know, if you factor in the age factor, with I mean, there are players who are better than him right now, but mm-hmm. if you just factor in the age component uh, and just you know the, the versatility on both ends. Like, I mean, I think he'd be somewhere between like the 10th to 20th most valuable long-term piece, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, this is just off the top of my head. Like I, of the, course, the other no, day, I, the other day I did actually try to make like a top hundred shout out to <laughs> Gulliver and Mahoney. I tried to yeah. just do it. The uh, results are going to remain private, but I just off the top <laughs> of my head, I was bored. Uh, and you know, I think he probably, you know, if you, if you factor not just the best player right now, but for the next five years, who would you want? I think he's probably moved into that top, top, you know, 10 to 20 range. If, if not uh, top 10, I think it's too much because there's still maybe another level for him offensively, but we'll see. What kind of, it really is. What kind of bump does Jimmy Butler get? I mean, he's got to be feeling so much vindication right now for the way his last three exits went. Uh, all of them like really kind of, I don't want to say failures, but you know, not even embarrassing, but just bad looks for him uh, in their own right. I don't even know how to phrase the Jimmy question, man. It's just, it's so improbable. Do you think he, he is that guy who is, you know, the best player on a finals team material or does so much of this have to do with the fact that he just found the right team at the right time? Uh, I think, I think it's more of the second thing, but also Mm -hmm. just the fact that he's such a good tone setter and that you put him with a group of guys who kind of think like him and are willing to, you know, I, I think part of, and this is me, you know, I don't know exactly what happened in different right. situations, but I, I think the, the constant thread that I re- remember with Chicago 
I covered him a lot when he was in Chicago and then Minnesota and then Philly uh, was just the level of buy-in. It seemed like he was always asking more of these guys who are his teammates uh, for better or worse. I think sometimes it rubbed people the wrong way. Uh, I think particularly, and this is not to say call any one player out, but I just think, you know, there's a different mentality in terms of a lot of younger guys, these younger stars in the league haven't, haven't like, well, I mean, Jimmy obviously granted his way up. I mean, right? sure. he, no one expected him to be good. And so there are a lot of guys who have expected to be good and been told they're great their whole life uh, for better or worse. And so, so I think the mentality is just different. And when you come in, you have someone pushing you like that, you know, some guys respond to it and some don't. And and so I, I think, I think he is capable of helping them close games in the playoffs. He hasn't been the only reason that the heat are this good. But I think just his ability to set the tone and just the overall buy-in of the team. I'm not going to say the words heat culture in that context because I'm tired of hearing <laughs> it. But, uh, you know, oh, I think that really I'll, does matter. I'll be tweeting heat culture enough for anyone who, who wishes to hear that term. Uh, I want to bring our producer, Chris, on for one second before we get into a Celtics conversation. Uh, Chris has been a Celtics fan. He's had to hear me gloat about the heat for a long time. Chris. Or do you do you have any words for your Celtics that you wish to share? <laughs> well, um, I guess you could say it's a successful year. I mean, obviously, it didn't turn <laughs> out the way that you would like it. But if you look at the the core of the group, I mean, they're still very young, and that's actually one of the reasons I think that we didn't really get it done this year. I don't think that we had that veteran leadership necessarily that maybe an Al Horford provided or. Um, something mm. along those lines. But I think looking into the future, it's very bright. And obviously, congratulations to the Heat. As much as that hurts to say, they played <laughs> great. Um, there's nothing I can really say negatively about them in this series. I didn't think that they were going to be able to pull it out, but they were, and they did, and here we are. Uh, well, Jeremy, that's what I want to get to next with you. Thank you, Chris, for coming on with your Celtics tears. We appreciate it. Uh, you're a good sport. Woo, that's what I want to get to next with you. I, I mean, I still think the Celtics are in as good position as anybody in the league just by virtue of having Tatum, Brown, and Smart and being able to pivot off of those guys. Tice is really good. I, I'm kind of interested to see what they do with Hayward. I don't think he should be in the long-term plan necessarily. Well, what's your outlook for them moving forward? Yes, yeah, so, so, I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with that. Okay. Just because I don't think – and this is sort of what I was getting at a little bit you know, a few minutes ago, but just the, the fit between Tatum and Brown to me is not perfect. Uh, I think it's something that both guys have had to adjust to make work, but like I've watched these guys play since they were in high school. Uh, and you know, they've always just, they're both guys who want to go be the guy who gets the bucket. And, you know, I think they both have the ability to do that. I think Tatum is a little bit better at that in terms of just like individual ability to get his own shot. But the point, point being like, and I think you can see the ball is a little bit sticky at the end of the game. Um, I don't know if it happens now, but I do think at some point you have to think about, you know, what can we get? I'm assuming that Tatum is their guy, right? So if they're, if they're mm-hmm. thinking about, and this is totally me speculating, but if, it's you, all, it's if you do want to trade Brown, you know, right. if, if that becomes an option, which I think you have to at least think about, not necessarily this year, but at some point, right. you know, you I don't want to sell low, right? So right. I think there's still more upside with him, but can you find a player who like accentuates their team better? And I, I don't know about the long term just because, you know, all these picks that they've had have kind of, you know, they've used them pretty well. Uh, they almost had too many picks last year. I mean, you know, they had to roster all these rookies. You know, some of it worked out, some of it didn't. Um, they're in good shape, and I think that, you know, they're a smart group, and they'll figure it out. Um, but but I, but I don't think it's, like, a for sure thing that Boston is going to be in the East Finals, like, every single year. Like, I'm not ready to say that. 
Right. That's interesting. I will say, I don't think either of us are low on Jalen Brown as a player in, in his own individual context. It, I agree with you. That, you know, it is more so about the fit with Tatum and, and any talk about looking into what he could be worth on a trade market. Like, you know, the Celtics are forward thinking for an office. Like they're going to put everything on the table. Uh, that's interesting. I, 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 I don't know. I think I would push back on that just a little bit only because we've seen Tatum and Brown or in, in two conference finals already now. Um, uh, I, I think they just have the flexibility uh, to build around them properly. I mean, we saw what they did this year uh, with the first year bringing Kemba in. Uh, probably still want to fill out the front court when, you know, that Horford thing kind of took them by surprise. I think they'll have an opportunity to fill out the front court better in the future. So uh, that'll be interesting. I, I, I'm surprised you have that perspective, but uh, I guess I'm, I'm on a different page with you there. I do I do want to get to a little bit of finals talk. I The storylines are rich here. Uh, it's, it's not just Spo against LeBron. It's Spo against Frank Vogel. Spo's never lost to Frank Vogel in the playoffs before. Uh, it's Pat Riley facing the organization uh, where he became famous uh, as the head coach of the Lakers in the 80s. At, at first blush, uh, I'm curious what you think about this. I almost wonder if it, if it behooves the Lakers to play big just to get Bam off of AD. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I think like, you know, if you had to design someone to guard Davis, you know, man would be a pretty good choice. Right. Um, and, and I think it just goes back to, you know, how, well, how much zone are the heat going to show? Cause I think I gave Boston problems. Um, and I think you'll probably see a little bit. Uh, Cause like, I think the way to beat the Lakers is you just, you got to force the other guys to make shots. Right. Um, and they're and not they, good in half court offense. Like that's where they they're struggle. Not. They're, they're average at best. Right. So, right. you know, if you can get them out in transition, like, zone or whatever that's how you slow them down but sorry right. go ahead yeah yeah and i just yeah i'm not saying they're gonna win the series because it's just like it seems like lakers are just kind of in a way right now right uh it's not like necessarily pretty to watch i would say but they, they at least right. have a clear pecking order they know obviously they and they have two of the five best players in the game so it's like you know when you have that and the other guys kind of know what they're supposed to do now uh I, you know i think they're kind of where they want to be in terms of form um I think you'll see some stretches where Davis is at the four and they play JaVale and Dwight on Bam just so Davis doesn't have to like take hits all game. Right. And you know, obviously like AD is big and athletic enough that if Boston is playing, you know, Crowder or Iguodala uh, as like the nominal four, like that'll right. be fine. Like they can live with that. Um, AD is, we'll be fine with that. But again, I, I think it just goes back to late in the game. If it gets to be, and I'm sure there'll be at least one, you know, one or two games where it's close and Miami's going to have chances to flip a game uh it's just you know what is the lakers best five and it's like it, it's funny because i keep going back and forth i'm still not sure who their best like closing lineup is i don't think even after know. watching all these games that's right? a great question you know it's funny i wrote about that exact thing when they beat the bucks and clippers late in the season what was interesting was they switched like they switched their closing five players all the time like sometimes kuzma's in there sometimes caruso's in there sometimes you know now we've seen a lot of rondo and markeith in the postseason it's I don't think they know, to be honest. And and part of it is like LeBron and AD are so good and the team has been so good on defense. I mean, when you have LeBron and AD buying in defensively, your team's almost going to be great on defense no matter what. So that is really interesting because I don't think they know necessarily who their best five are either. What it comes down to is can the Heat, we saw them have these lulls against the Celtics offensively when the Celtics locked in on the defensive end. You know, the Lakers had one of the best defenses in the regular season. I'm curious, you know, will they, how will they kind of slow down Miami's cutting? I don't think they've seen an offense like Miami's yet either. 
you know, Portland, Denver, like heavy pick and roll teams. Houston was doing whatever the hell it is Houston does. I'm really curious how the Lakers defense will respond to a team that, that moves as much as Miami. Yeah, yeah. Miami's hard to guard, man, just because, you know, they they have, you know, at least they can probably play four guys who you could say are three-level scorers, right, who can you know hit a mid-range shot if you give it to them, who can shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Like, the, in the playoffs, that's a really tough uh, formula. You know, it just requires everybody to be locking all the time uh, defensively. And, uh, you know, Rondo has been great. Like, I think Rondo – was it was a huge factor in the Denver series um Rondo I I'll never understand it and I've been fighting it but the playoff Rondo thing appears to be incredibly incredibly real yeah and and they're gonna need Rondo to slow down Dragic um they're gonna have to make him uncomfortable um it's gonna be interesting really like I mean KCP has been okay you know Crusoe has been pretty good like these these guys like aren't great like they aren't necessarily who you'd want but when you have LeBron you know the you can sort of make it work with those guys and they're, they're all playing hard. So, you know, just the one thing I think is also going to be helpful for Miami is just that they have enough guys who you can say are like, you know, big enough wing defenders to sort of at least throw different bodies on LeBron. Uh, Iguodala obviously isn't the Iguodala he was four years ago, but you know, he at least has a history of understanding, you know, what it takes to sort of slow down LeBron in the playoffs. Um, so they're coming from a position here where, uh, you know, they can tag team that. It's not going to have to fall on, you know, Jeremy Grant, right, for example, to, like, just be the guy to, to slow him down. And, you know, Jeremy Grant did a lot. He, by the way, he's, he's, he's going to get paid. Like He is. He, he, is. he was amazing in that series. Um, LeBron's already recruiting. LeBron's <laughs> already recruiting. <laughs> but, um, um, it's, I think it's going to be a really good finals. It's rich with storylines, whether it's Spo and Vogel or Spo and LeBron or Riley and LeBron or LeBron and the Heat or Deion Waiters' revenge series. Uh, I, I think it's going to be – a really interesting finals. Uh, Wu, I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to write about it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the Daily Pod. Listen, we gloat about the heat. I really appreciate it, man. Of course. And, and thanks for saying I threw great parties. You know, it's been a while. <laughs> Anytime. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.